This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, so good to see all of you this evening. Praise God. Great to have you. Thanks for being here on a Wednesday night. Amen. You must love Jesus or something. Come on. Glory to God. Such a delight to be able to be with you this evening. Hallelujah. How many of you enjoyed Joe Morris's ministry while he was here? Wasn't that good? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a testimony time, I think, this next uh, Sunday, you know, and just have some people. A lot of people got healed, you know, um, supernaturally by the power of God. We had uh, one uh, 13-year-old boy that had experienced whiplash and got healed by the power of God. We had a couple, we had another gal that I think she'd, I can't remember if she'd been stung or something like that, and she had gotten, had a lot of discomfort, swelling, stuff like that while she was worshiping God. Uh, she was healed. Swelling went down and the pain went away. That's, that'll, that's what uh, worshiping God will do for you. Amen. So it's really good. A lot of great testimonies and things like that. So praise God. Amen. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together uh, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to take off here um, in this uh, area. For the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be talking with you about um, the subject of prayer, our prayer life. And um, not only are we going to talk about it, but I think for a little bit anyway, we're going to take some time. We're actually going to pray this evening uh, for those that are in authority, our president and the administration, uh, other men and women, you know, that, um, that find themselves in these places. And uh, there's much at stake. And I believe that if the church uh, will do her part, praise God, that uh, we can change a lot of things for the good. How many of you know there needs to be some changing going on for the good? And so anyway, we're just going to take some time. I want to just kind of, you know, seed your thought life uh, with some things about prayer, especially on prayer life. And, uh, you know, uh, the reality, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your prayers matter. They really do. Now, hell will do everything it can to try to convince you that they don't. But, you know, the devil's a liar. And so thank God, uh, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And uh, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand all of that. You know, you read some things in the Old Testament about Daniel, you know, and the Bible talks about how that he set himself to seek the Lord by prayer and fasting, you know. And so uh, I think it had more to do with, you know, had, it, there was more to do with it than just the fact that he decided that he was going to fast or even pray. But it was with purpose and it was with determination. Interestingly enough, uh, 21 days later in one particular instance, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and he told him that his prayers had been heard the first day that he began his prayer when he set out to seek the Lord. But the angel with the message or the, the answer or whatever had been hindered by the prince, you know, in the air. And, um, and again, I don't need, I don't mean, I don't understand, I don't necessarily uh, pretend to understand all that. All I know is the angel showed up finally. Amen. And the reason that I say that is, is I think sometimes when it comes to our praying, if we don't see an immediate uh, result, we have a tendency just to kind of decide, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the will of God, or we give up. And I don't want us to give up. You know, there's certain things when we discover in the Bible that talks about God's promises, 
and what it is that he's done, that he's redeemed us, then, you know, when we find out what it is that we're redeemed from, that's not my subject tonight, then praise God, we can go to praying and begin to believe God for that to manifest in, its, in our lives. It's the will of God. Hallelujah. And um, so sometimes there has to be a, a tenacity that's associated with our prayer lives. And again, we'll talk a little bit about that. Praise God. So again, thank you for being here. Let's just commit our hearts to this word that we're going to uh, share with you this evening, and we'll, we'll get into it. Hallelujah. Father, we love you tonight. So grateful, Father, for these, your people that have come. Uh, that are here and present. Not only that, but those that are watching either by Facebook or YouTube tonight. And Father God, we come before you. Hallelujah. Our great King and our God. Hallelujah. We thank you for the blessing of God that you have provided for us in the sending of your Son, the Lord Jesus. He's given us life, life more abundant. What a privilege it is, Father, for us to be called the children of God. And as we come to you tonight, Father God, we want to partner together with you and the Spirit of God that the will of God may be manifested in the earth realm. And we thank you, Father, for helping us by the Holy Spirit to pray so that your will may be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And we thank you, Father, for unction. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your mind. We thank you, Lord God, for the will of God being made known. And we just thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. I had to shut myself off there. I was about to take off. We weren't going to talk about anything. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, that's good. You'll notice here in Ephesians, I know you're familiar with this chapter in 6. Um, in verse 10, the Apostle Paul is concluding some of his his um, instruction and things. And he said, finally, my brethren, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. So take to you, everybody say take. Yeah, take to you. So, so much of the time, the church is so passive about, and, and I don't know what precipitates that necessarily sometimes. I think that, you know, they just think, well, you know, God's in control, and so he's going to do whatever. No, you gotta, you got to get after it, yeah, yeah. you know. So take to you the whole armor of God so that you can stand in the evil day. Hallelujah. And it's not if you're going to have to stand, it's when. Sooner or later, if you're a child of God, born again of the Spirit of the living God, blood-washed and blood-bought, hell's going to show up to try to discredit what it is that Jesus has done in your life and what it is that He wants to do. We talked about this extensively, you know, that there is a place that God wants to take you, and it's a good and a large land, a land that flows with milk and honey, where the blessing of God exists. But hell will do everything that it can to keep you from getting there. But how many of you know it can't? I tell you what, that's the good news because we win. Glory to God. You know, uh, if you just don't quit, hell knows he can't stop you, you know. The only way that, 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 that hell can keep redemption from becoming a reality in your life is if you give up. And we don't quit, do we? I said we don't quit. Praise God. So in this context, he says there then that we're to stand having our Lord. It talks about our Lord. It, it talks about the different pieces 
or the apparel that we're to have on, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you know, the shield of faith, so on and so forth. But I want you to notice particularly, because for the sake of time, we've got to get there, in verse 18, as part of this um, armor, in verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Some translations say all manner of prayer and supplication or, or entreaty in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hallelujah. You know, um, in talking about this, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I think apart from the Word of God that prayer probably is the second most important um, aspect of our relationship with God. Prayer is nothing more than talking to God. Amen? You know, and sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll get in certain environments, you know, and people are all, you know, like religious about it and things of that nature. I mean, you ought to talk to God just like you talk to everybody else. Amen? You don't have to go off in Elizabethan English, you know, and all of that kind of whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, it's just talking to him. But you'll notice here again, you know, as I said, it, it's, it's, it's really an important dynamic within uh, the life of the believer. And yet sometimes it's something that we do the least. And I, I don't know, there's different things, you know, that kind of help to uh, precipitate that. But I want to change that. I want our, our habit you know, I, I noticed there in Daniel, you know, he prayed three times a day and not that, well, you know, the Muslims pray three times a day, you know, so it isn't intended to be some ritual. I, I maybe just it was his discipline. I don't know. But, you know, I, you know, this, this verse of scripture here says praying always, you know, just be a person of prayer. Hallelujah. And so uh, <clears throat> I don't believe that prayer should be a mystery to, to the Christian or to the child of God. Now, I know there's a lot of aspects to prayer. You know, I mean, like, for example, in this scripture, it says, you know, praying always with all manner of prayer, different kinds of prayer. And you say, that's my problem, man. There's all these different, there's a prayer of faith, and there's a prayer of thanksgiving, and, you know, there's petition prayer, and, you know, and then this whole thing about supplication, what's that mean, you know? And then, you know, so it kind of maybe seems to be overwhelming, but that's why that you and I, whether we realize it or not, when we got saved, we, came, we became lifelong learners, huh? You know, it should be our ambition to continue to grow and develop so that we can be more effectual or effective, you know, especially when it comes to praying for others, the prayer of intercession, you know, where we take the place of someone else that is in need. And we'll maybe look at that a little bit tonight if we have time. But so it doesn't have to be a mystery, praise God. You know, it's like people say, well, I know I need to pray, but I just don't know how. Well, it's good you're here tonight. Amen. Smile a little bit. It'll be all right. Praise God. You know, I mean, uh, let your, what was that she called that? Your resting face? You know? Be with a smile. You know what I'm saying? It takes a little work. Somebody says, you know, it takes, it takes less muscles to smile than it does frown. I don't know. But smiling is better. You know, it's like with this whole COVID thing, we're always wearing these masks and whatever, you know, or people are trying to make us wear them anyway. And they, they say you're supposed to smile with your eyes. Have you figured that out yet? How's that work? You know, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. You know, whatever. Praise God. 
So um, what I don't want you to do is find yourself in a place where you've given up on prayer. And again, you know, like it or not, I mean, if you really get down to the short rows, you know what I mean by that? You know, if you're a farmer and you get down, it's, we're coming down to where the rubber meets the road. Maybe that's another way to say it. Um, when you get right down to it, there's disappointment that's occurred in many believers' lives, and they've just kind of given up on it. And I don't want you to do that. I, I don't pretend to understand why whatever happened happened, but that's not anything for you to decide that you're going to give up on praying. Are you listening to me? You know, and of course, most of the time it's because prayer didn't get answered or it turned out, you know, some other way and there's disappointment, you know, that fills our lives and uh, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, like I said, then there's these rules, you know, when it comes to prayer, a lot of times people have learned, you know, that when they get done praying at the end, they put, if it be thy will, you know, I mean, uh, because maybe that's the way they were taught. Well, some things when it comes to the will of God are known, you know, and um, for example, the scripture says that this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know, everybody say we know, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, when it comes to if it be your will, you know, we, we use, we see that, you know, represented in Jesus's life where basically he was just consecrating and dedicating himself, you know, to the will of God. He said, if it be possible, you know, let this, let this cup, you know, pass from me because he's getting ready to give his life as a ransom for the entire world. And he was going to take upon himself the sin of this world. And guess what? That was no fun. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So if you're praying a prayer of consecration or dedication, then that would apply. You know, God, I'm just, I'm open to your will, your purpose, whatever it is that you have for me. Uh, I'm willing. Hallelujah. That, that, that's cool. You know, but when you get over into a petition type prayer where there's a need in your life, you know, like for example, you got a financial need. Well, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So it's obvious that he wants to supply your need. Huh? I mean, that's fair. So I don't have to ask if it's his will to meet my need. I already know that it is. So I would say, Father, you said in your word, you know, Philippians 419 or whatever the scripture is that you're using or standing on and praise God, he shows up. So it's great, isn't it? Glory to God. So, um, you know, so I, what I want us to do is I want us to become a people that, ha, that get settled in to a fervent, effectual prayer life and habit, you know, and with that, there's a confidence, a, a lifestyle, you know, of, of praying and and, and that generates supernatural results. I think we've just given up on some things. You know, uh, we get loved ones, you know, that get, uh, <laughs> go stupid. How many of you got loved ones sometimes that make that happen? You know, and you just think, God, are you ever going to do something here? Well, you know, you're the one that stands between them and the will of God. Right. You know what I'm saying? From a prayer standpoint. And so surely don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. Hallelujah. They need your prayers, no matter how ornery they get. Are you with me? 
You know, they're, they're the ones that are living the miserable life, not you. Huh? You so glad you came tonight? Praise God. You know, so, so I just, again, you know, I, I believe that we ought to, we really ought to press into these things, you know, for, again, supernatural results. Because we're believers. Glory to God. And we may be balked and criticized and said, you're out of your mind, or you're crazy or whatever. But, you know, when you start seeing people healed, you know, when you, when you see people start getting set free, when, when you see people with their needs being met or people being brought into the, uh, the kingdom of God or, or, uh, or, or even, you know, where literally nations are changed. Think about that. Well, you know, that's a long ways down the road for me. You don't know. God could use you as an instrument to divinely flow through to bring about dramatic changes in this country or any other country for that matter. Hallelujah. And so we really need to uh, think about this. And again, your prayers do matter. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. That's where the Methodist Church was born out of is, is his ministry. And he made this statement, he said that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity except someone ask him to. Why this is, he went on to say, we do not know. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you and I are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. You, I, you and I are the members within that body. And we're the ones that find ourselves on this earth. So somehow or another, there is this connection between heaven and us and that you and I can take a place to make a difference by simply asking so again he said it seems that God is limited by our prayer life and and it's consistent with the scriptures in the book of Ezekiel you know when you read there you know the Bible says that God you know by his own declaration he said I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge for the land, and I didn't find anybody. Wow, that's disappointing, isn't it? But, but the, 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 the flip side of that is, is if he could have found someone, they could have changed whatever it was that was going on. You know, you, a lot of times I think uh, we don't appreciate uh, the mercy and, and the goodness and the grace of God. Because, you know, we see all of the um, wickedness and corruption, all these things are going on. And, you know, sometimes we just adopt this attitude, you know, like, God, start a fire. You know, we're, we're going to start throwing them on there. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, God so loved the world that he gave. And he's not willing that any. Now, that's, that's I mean, you take some some rough individuals and people that you don't like very much, and God's saying that he so loved them so that they wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That's mercy, isn't it? Huh? The Bible says he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come, into, uh, come to a place of repentance. So he sees things from a different uh, perspective sometimes than we do. And God help us to have that same thing because, you know, again... Uh, it's, it can be difficult. The Bible says that Lot, his soul was vexed daily by the wickedness of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and I don't know that we're that far removed around the, the society and culture that we're living in. Are you listening to me? You know, and so it's, you know, it's just so, um, 
I wouldn't say intolerable, but it, it, it is difficult. Let's just put it that way. You know, we never used to have to deal with these things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we had things that we dealt with, but it just seems like sin continues to abound and ramps up. And uh, all the more reason for the child of God, the believer in the church, to stay where she needs to stay. Huh? So it's important. Praise God. Hell does everything it can to discourage, distract, and keep people from praying. Yet on the other hand, heaven does everything it can to encourage our prayer life. Praise God. Jesus made some of these statements, and I just want to, as a person of prayer, how many would probably agree with that? Huh? I mean, you say, yeah, but he was a son of God. Well, you're a son of God. Amen. You're a child of God. You know, that, that's just a, you know, cop out. Well, that was Jesus. Well, you're you. <laughs> huh? He purchased you with his own blood. Praise God. Made you a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. And so there's a relationship and a door of access that he's given to each and every one of us that he wants us to walk through. So Jesus made these statements. He said, first of all, he said, when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, because they feel like by their much speaking that they'll be heard. And then he went on to make reference to what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And yet it's interesting, this verse is right above the Lord's Prayer. And then a lot of times you'll hear the minister stand in the pulpit and say, and we should pray together as Jesus taught us to pray, and we all recite the Lord's Prayer. Well, again, I'm not against that. I'm not going to, you know, you know, split hairs over whatever. But, you know, really, I think that what Jesus was talking about there, and we're not getting into this tonight, but, the, you know, what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer were prayer principles. Okay? You know, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The principle of worship. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's just the enforcement of the kingdom in this world. God, let the will of God come to this earth so that people can be saved, delivered, set free, so that the life and the purpose that you gave to them can be realized, so that joy and peace and the cheer of God can be theirs. Hallelujah. Woo! You know what I'm saying? So he said, when you pray, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do. And again, because they think for their much speaking, they shall be heard. You know, prayer, not only is it when we talk about it, it's not only is it talking to God, but it's also talking from your heart, not your head. And sometimes, you know, the repetition thing is just, well, if I pray it enough, maybe it'll happen or something like that. That's not the way it works. You know, God loves us and he has a relationship with you and with me that he wants to have. So we can just talk to him. Hallelujah. God, you know, I'm in pain. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm, I'm not doing real well here. I need your help. And he'll say, well, yeah, thanks for showing up. Let's talk about it. And he'll give you wisdom on what to do and how to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! I'm just getting blessed talking about it. <laughs> Praise God. He said, Jesus said, not only use not vain repetition as heathen do, but he did say also, and whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father, or that, the, yeah, the Father may be glorified in the Son. Think about that. He's talking about prayer, isn't he? He said again, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
He also talked about when you stand praying. Now, that's an interesting phrase. When you what? When you what? When you stand praying, he went on then to say, forgive if you have aught against any, so that your Father which is in heaven will also forgive you. And if you don't, he won't. So there's no excuse for unforgiveness. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Yeah, you might as well get rid of it. Praise God. You know, what's that one little girl that's saying, let it go, let it go. <laughs> yeah, whatever, frozen. When you stand praying, and again, I think that that's an important concept because the thing is, is that when we pray according to the will of God, God hears. And he said that you can have whatever petitions you desire of him. You say, yeah, but I don't see the result. I mean, it hasn't manifested. That doesn't make any difference. Sometimes you have to, having done all to stand, stand. Huh? It kind of goes from a, a prayer, a petition, to one of thanksgiving. You know, God, I know you've heard my prayer, so I just want to give you praise. I just want to thank you, praise God, for making it happen. I thank you, Lord God, for making a way where there is no way, opening doors that don't even exist. I thank you, Father God. Praise God. You're the one that is more than enough, sufficient for me. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, because the devil will tell you all the time, well, you know, you prayed that prayer. He didn't answer it. You know, he ain't gonna, he's not coming through. I'm telling you, he's not coming through. I don't know why you just gonna quit and give up. Well, that's a lie. He's a father of lies. He's a liar. There is no truth in him. You see, what happens is, is when you stand and the manifestation of your prayer comes, guess what? You're going to tell somebody, man, I was praying and God showed up. Huh? Well, what is that? It's called a testimony. Huh? It's called a witness. I'm telling you, God answers prayer. Are you with me? We were praying and God, you know, and I mean, isn't that wonderful? That's better than, you know, listening to somebody who says, well, God never answers my prayers. I don't even know why we talk to God. I'm mad at you, you know. Somebody called on the phone here, and uh, what was it that they said? Uh, they didn't believe in. Yeah, yeah. It, they call, and, I, you know, they go off on this tangent, and it's not the first time. They don't believe in God. God never does anything for him. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never taken one of the calls. Gala's gotten one. I think April maybe has received a call or something like that. I'm thinking to myself, well, if you don't, then why are you calling us? I mean, you know, that's a legitimate question, isn't it? I'll tell you why. Because that person is looking for answers. You know, now what's unfortunate is is they got to get past this argumentative spirit so that they can really, you know, uh, get something that they're looking for. But anyway, Jesus went on to say, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Remember when he was there in Gethsemane, which is a place that he evidently often uh, resorted to. And he had his disciples there and they went out. And then he asked the three that were closest to him to come with him to a place, and he began to pray. Well, uh, they didn't make it very long until they went to sleep. And, uh, 
And that's when he said, you know, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. But prior to that, he said, can't you, can't you pray with me for an hour? You know, think about it. I mean, just think about it in a practical sense. They go to this garden, this place where he was, you know, obviously uh, there often. And he takes these three and asks them to pray with him. And, and you know, let's give them some, some slack here. I mean, you know, they don't, they don't have a clue what's going on. They don't know what this man is dealing with. They don't know what he's facing. He just asks them to pray. But you know, from a natural standpoint, if they got out there, it probably became, it was late at night. They'd had this meal. They went to the garden, you know. And so we don't know what time it was. But um, um, I'm, I'm going to, let's just say it's 10 o'clock. And they stayed there till 11. And, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, it takes a while for a person to go to sleep. Well, most men can go to sleep pretty quick. Usually my head... Before it hits a pillow, I'm gone, okay? <laughs> Women, they have to unwind. How many gals do we have that have to unwind? Okay, well, anyway, uh, whatever your deal is, okay? But let's just say that they engaged themselves a, at least a little bit, before, but, but before it was over with, they were asleep. Sometimes, you know, it takes a while and they are asleep. He comes back, he finds them sleepy. He said, couldn't you just pray with me for one hour? You know, pray that you enter not into temptation. So what's that mean? That means whenever the devil comes and he wants to tempt you to do something, thank God you can go to prayer and fight him off. Well, he went back to that place of prayer, probably woke them all up, you know, oh, oh, sorry, Jesus, you know, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, I just kind of went to sleep. And my thought is, is that, you know, if he'd been there an hour, you know, fighting this battle and he went back to it, he came back and they're asleep again. Well, it's midnight now, maybe. I mean, you know. So he spent a couple of hours agonizing over obeying God and doing his will. Found him in the same place, woke him all up again, went back to prayer again. You know, because the thing about it is, is these soldiers and this thing that was going on, you know, with Pilate and, and uh, the Pharisees and whatever, they're, they're going to do this under the shadow of night. They're going to apprehend him when everybody else is in bed you know, and so by one o'clock, you know, he comes back there asleep. He says, let's all get up. He says, um, the son of man is, is given into the hands of men. That's where he won the battle. You guys is in that garden, not on the cross. He'd already won before he ever got to that cross. Are you listening to me? And I'm just saying to you, the same thing can happen in your life. When you're in a tough spot in a hard place, you know, you can go to him and you can cry out to him and he can begin to speak to your heart about whatever the need is that you have in your life. Just know that God wants to deliver you, that he wants to set you free. Are you listening to me? Whatever, you know, the circumstance is. And I mean, you know, if he's got to move heaven and earth, he'll do it. Praise God. Isn't that good to know? Hallelujah. We're coming uh, quick here. I didn't, I'm not getting near as far as I need to. You guys are really good listeners. Here's another thing that Jesus said, or did actually. It says that he sent, he sent the multitude away and went up into a mountain apart to pray. You know, so many distractions in our lives these days, isn't there? You, any of you got any distractions? Yeah. Crying out loud, man. I mean, there's all kinds of clamor. You know, everything... 
you know, wanting your attention. Well, he just sent everybody away and went away. I think that's an important principle. Sometimes you just got to shut all the noise off, turn off TV, whatever, and go pray. Okay? It's a great habit. The Bible seems to imply that prayer should be a regular part of our lifestyle. You know, our church was born out of prayer. My wife and I had come back from school. We graduated in 78 from Rama, and uh, we came back in the summer. And uh, this is during the charismatic movement. Charismatic movement started in the late 60s and pushed up through the 70s. And, uh, and so here we are now, maybe 10 years down the road. Well, maybe not quite. But anyway, uh, people are getting saved everywhere. Turned on to the word, man. I mean, we go to church eight nights a week if we could. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just loving Jesus and wanting more. And then people got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was one thing to get saved, but then we got filled with the Spirit. And boy, I'm telling you what, the the, the race was on. And we were going to a mainline denominational church that for all intent and purpose was dead. God just, you know, it's wild how God will reach down into these churches and pull these people out and give them new life and get them saved and turn on to the Word of God. You know, and so he infuses this church with a bunch of, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, rowdy fanatics. And everybody's hungry. We would go to church to our mainline denominational church in the morning on Sunday, and then we would go find a Pentecostal church. And in this case, we went to, uh, it's not called that anymore. What was it that we went to? No, uh, across a river, um, an AG church, huh? Anybody know? Glad tidings. That's right, Al. Yeah, we'd go over there at night. Yeah, I remember this guy, you know, he's, he was the song leader and he had a big old, big voice. You know. I'm so glad that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus took my burdens all away. You know, everybody just, yeah. You know, <clears throat> you understand we're not used to that. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know people raising their hands. I remember the first time I went to that church. I mean, I looked around and thought, my God, these people are crazy. Look at them. They got their hands in the air. But you know, I was smart enough. Thank God I was smart enough to look at the Bible. It says, lift up holy hands. How about that? Where I came from, there was no holding hands up. Uh Uh-uh. People looked at you, I mean, I mean, if you were holding your hands up, dude, they would look at you with scorn. Yikes. Yeah, they'd burn you bad, baby. So we got out of school, we come back to uh, home, and we had a youth Bible study going on. People are excited, adults are excited, they're wanting more, they're hungry. And uh, they, they come to us because we've had uh, nine months of Bible school and we're supposed to know something. I got to tell you, dude, we didn't have a clue. I mean, kind of scary, isn't it? But uh, they said, well, so they come to us. You know, we're supposed to know something. What are we going to do? What should we do? I said, I don't know. You know, because we thought that there'd be this sweep through the church that everyone in the in the mainline church would get filled with the Holy Ghost and turned on to the word. But you got to understand hell's there in the people and they don't want heaven on earth. They want religion. They want, you know, whatever it is that they do and those types of things. 
And uh, so I don't know. Let's pray. So we began um, in the first week of October. So we graduate from school May, June, July, October. June, July, June, July, August, September, October. Sorry. It's okay. Thanks for your help. Um, and we started praying. Once a week, we would gather. A group of us would gather. And we were just saying, God, you know, we're hungry and we want more. God, we're praying. What do you want us to do? And we'd pray in other tongues. We'd pray in the Spirit. We'd pray for at least an hour, you know. And uh, that's when, uh, that wasn't when Brian, we had prayer meetings in our church. And when Brian was just a little beater, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know how old he was. But he would, uh, you know, see us pray and watch us pray. And one time, you know, he came over to his mother. He might, probably was just walking. And he'd go, larden, 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 larden. You know? <laughs> It was awesome, you know. Teach them early, glory to God. I got a little video. If I could, if I had time, I'd show you my granddaughter. Man, she's in the living room. She doesn't think anybody's around, and her folks had bought her this little, you know, thing where she's got a microphone and the lights and you know all this, and she's watching Darlene check and she's singing, worshiping God. She doesn't think anybody's around, man. And I mean, this little girl, she's not even four years old yet, man. And she's just worshiping, you know. And I mean, you know, it's precious and priceless. Yeah, amen. So anyway, we prayed. And we prayed for about six weeks. Once a week, we'd gather and we'd pray. And we did this until mid-November. One Monday evening, I'm on my couch minding my own business, and Jesus shows up. And he says, I want you to start a church. I said, I am not going to start no church. Well, first of all, I said, I don't want to. And I, no, I don't want to. I love you, Jesus, but I don't think I love you that much. <laughs> and the reason, this is so silly. I'll tell you exactly why I didn't want to do it, because it wasn't socially acceptable. Right. You know, there were two churches in the community that we were in, and, and, and not, not just was it not socially acceptable, but it was going to have huge ramifications uh, relationally and a lot of different other circumstances as well. But I finally consented. I said, well, you know, what are you going to do? You got to obey God. And my wife came home that evening on Monday night. She was away. And I said, honey, I need to talk to you. And I said, you know, I really believe that God spoke to my heart about starting a church. Well, she had the witness in her spirit too. And she said, I believe it's God. Let's do it. <laughs> thank God. Thank God for good wives. You know, it's kind of nice to have a confirmation, you know. And so by January uh, the 7th in 79, the church was born. We started having church. So prayer changes things. And, and the reason I use that as an example is, is that what if we hadn't prayed? I mean, I, I have to believe that at least in some way that the, the effectual praying of that group of people gave birth to the church, you know? Spirit of God was able to get a hold of somebody's attention and say, I want you to do this. I mean, I'm telling you what, God's in the church plant business. Yeah, amen. Praise God. We're almost out of time. We need to uh, take a little bit of time to pray. Um, well, um, look at this scripture with me. We'll use this as our premise and then we'll be done. Or I mean, we'll, we'll move on. Look at First uh, Timothy. You're familiar with this uh, scripture, but let's read it together here. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
I exhort, therefore, that first of all, that there be supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks to be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead, here's the reason or the purpose, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who wills or who desires to have all men saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So he says, you need to pray for those that are in authority so that you can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Isn't that good? Amen. Now, real quickly, I, I just want to use this as an example. Look to Acts chapter 12, um, because this has come up in my heart a couple different times, and I want to get it to you. Um, <clears throat> and then we'll just, we'll pray. Um, maybe i just give you an assignment to ratchet up your prayer life where our um, president, vice president, the administration, different ones. You know, you guys, they're in a, they're in a hellacious battle. Now, forget about, you know, style and everything and what people say or don't say. That's not the issue here. We're talking about righteousness versus unrighteousness. We're talking about light versus darkness. So just lay that other part aside a little bit and let's, let's, let's get into this and hold these people's arms up. Are you with me? You know, yeah, anyway. Notice with me here in, in Acts chapter 12, this, and you can study this a, a bit more for yourself, but notice it says in... Um, Verse 1, now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex, or uh, some of your Bible translations may say harass, mistreat, or afflict. The guy was full of the devil, okay? And so he began to harass or vex certain of the church. You see it right now. They're trying to close the churches. They don't want people speaking. They don't want people doing anything, you know, and this and that and the other. That's from hell. I said, it's from hell. You know, you say, well, you know, it's just that or the other. No, it's from hell. And there are people who are being used as instruments to impose hell's will on the church. Okay. So notice it says here to vex certain of the church in verse uh, two, and he killed, Herod killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to uh, four quarterns of soldiers. I don't know, 16 of them? Is that what we could? It takes a lot of guys to keep Peter, evidently. Hallelujah. To keep him intending after Easter or Passover to bring him forth to the people. Therefore, in verse 5, Peter was kept in prison. Now listen, but prayer was made what? Constantly, without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You know why? Because they knew that Herod was going to do the same thing to him that he had done to James. And so the church began to pray. Now, if we had time and we don't, you go down through this and read it. In the middle of the night, an angel showed up and, you know, got Peter out of prison. He didn't even know what was going on. He finally realized after a bit, God, an angel just set me free. 
So he goes to a house where they were praying. The girl answers the door and finds, hears his voice, freaks out, leaves him outside and goes back to him. Hey man, he's out. You know, she's just excited. That's all, you know. And so once they did open the door, Peter had to quiet them all down and then he took off. Why do I say that? Well, I just say that prayer changes things. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women makes tremendous power available. Let's believe that. And not only believe it, but let's know it. And let's practice it. Hallelujah. You got loved ones, you want certain things changed, you want to see something different. You know, there's a story about a gal by the name of Betty Baxter. And uh, she was deformed. She was all kind of messed up and whatever, you know. And, uh, but Jesus spoke to her and said that he was coming to her house at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to heal her. And he did it. But it wasn't without, you know, a long time of standing and believing God and things like that. I don't have time to get into it. But I'm telling you guys... Prayer can change things. It can make people whole. Patty Dunnick is a gal that we uh, uh, support down in uh, Samoa. And she was talking about the school in Fiji just opened up. And there's this one big old Samoan guy, man. I mean, he's, he's huge, sitting on the front row. And his wife came and talked to Patty. And she said, the wife told Patty she cannot explain the change that is taking place in her husband. He's just, you know, he's in this Bible school and he's learning and he's, and he's making an application. His life is changing. Their lives are changing. You know, the word of God is effectually working within him. And Patty was just so excited about, you know, the whole transformational aspect of what the God, what God's word can do in people. Amen. So let's believe for better, shall we? Why don't you stand with me? It's 8.02. We're just going to take just a few minutes. We're not going to get into a thing where I wanted to about, you know, really interceding for um, the president and those um, of the administration. But we can together. The Bible says that when two of us agree on earth is touching anything, that we ask it shall be done of our Father, which is in heaven. So I want us to ask the Lord to bless these men and women that are really on the front lines. And not only that, but you know, like the prayers that Paul, and, and if you want to, you can study these for yourself. And in Ephesians chapter one and chapter three, Paul has two significant spirit, spirit inspired prayers, you know, and uh, in one of them, he said that they might be strengthened with might by the spirit in their inner man. You know, there's just a barrage of things that are coming their way, but, but if they can, you know, remain strong in the Lord in their innermost being. Think about Mike Pence, you know, here's a believer. I, he carries himself so wonderfully. What, what an example. But you know, it just doesn't happen because this guy, just like all the rest of them, I mean, Trump's in the forefront, but you can, you can be sure that Pence is getting darts shot at him daily. People hate, you know, hell hates the believer. So we want to pray for him. Amen. Would you do that with me just for a moment here? Father, we just love you. And we thank you, Lord God, for this time that we've had to just um, 
emphasize the importance of prayer and how, Father God, that our prayers matter. And God, I ask you for those that are here within the sound of my voice and others that are watching, that, Father God, that you would move upon their lives, Father, help them to make the decision that they're going to be people, Father God, that are uh, people of prayer, that their habit, Father, increases in these last days. We lift up our president, vice president, those of his administration, all of the supporting staff that surrounds them. And Father God, we bear them before you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're asking you, Father, to strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. God, grant them wisdom. And, and not only that, but revelation in the knowledge of you or the will of God, what is right, what is just, what is true. Father, I thank you for showing them the end game of hell so that they can thwart and avert anything of a trap or of that nature that was intended for their demise. I thank you right now, Father God, for your blessing in their lives, that they see it way ahead of time, make the appropriate changes, Father God, and it comes to naught. We come against those that are wicked in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Father God, we thank you right now for the angels of heaven, Father, to come to the aid of these men and women, Father, that embrace righteousness and the truth to help to strengthen them and to drive back the forces of darkness. We thank you for purging our government from godless and wicked men and replacing them with men and women of God, men and women of integrity, men and women who both know and love the truth. Father, as we come to you tonight, Father, you said in your word that our prayers do matter, that they are effectual in their working. They make tremendous power available. So Father, in the future, in the, week, in the days, and even in the weeks ahead, Father, I wanna thank you that we will see, Father, the effectual working of our prayers, and especially, Lord, as we come to you to stand in that place, in that gap, to make up the hedge in their behalf, to pray for them, God, that your grace would rest upon them. And we just thank you for your mercy, your goodness. Oh, Father, such kindness that you show to mankind. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing tonight in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. You may be